to another episode of those good old-fashioned values, the first and hopefully last Seth MacFarlane-related podcast on the internet. I am your host, Spencer, a.k.a. The Lonely Photon, and joining me, as always, is Ty, a.k.a. at Bobo underscore Circus on Twitter. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> and, uh, or Bobo underscore the <laughs> underscore second now. Free her. Free me. And uh, Andy, aka at under, uh, sorry, at x underscore anarcho anon. Uh, hi. Please follow us on Twitter and you know retweet our stuff. Yeah. Please, that'd be nice. Today we are talking about American Dad season four. Um, and folks, this was a breath of fresh air. This is one of the best seasons of TV we've talked about on here. Yeah. Oh, it's worth noting. I'm not going to name him, but uh, we had a guest who was supposed to watch uh, beyond this episode. Uh, he will be on, I believe, the next episode. What's the point of, of not American naming Dad? him yeah. if he's going to be on the next one? Yeah, no, Caleb was supposed to be with us here, but uh, he Hulu fucks with us. The- the season, so we ended up watching season five. Because some places count season one and two as one season because they were in like a similar production order or whatever. Yep. So it, yeah, it mess screws up the whole thing. Yeah. But no, it's just us. So I'm just going to start out by saying that this season was a was sort of a slow process for me of me being slowly but decisively won over by the show. I In season three, I was kind of in like a mildly contrarian position of not being as wild about the show as everyone else was. And, you know, I started this season out as like, yeah, you know, it's more of the same. I'm not, I just, maybe I just don't vibe with the show that much. And then slowly but surely, this is where the show really starts to figure out its identity. It's more anarchic and freewheeling side. And by the end of it, I was genuinely excited to talk about it. I think this is a great show. So... There are actually, uh, I, I completely agree with Spencer mostly, but there are actually a few things about this production that I want to talk about. Mm. The first is, this season marked uh, a big change that most animated shows in the early 2000s had to go through, which is the switch from traditional cell animation, uh, which the season has series has been doing for its first three seasons, and I believe only the first episode of this season. And then the rest of the season is all digital animation. And, uh, and you can definitely, I mean, it doesn't make the show look worse or anything. Thing, but you can definitely notice the shift. I, uh, I'm i thinking of one shot in the Christmas episode where uh, Stan is hanging by the axe and you can clearly see like they're using the same model for him back and forth. It feels very digital. Yeah, they're like... Yeah. It's not a big change, but it definitely affects, like, the feel of the show. And, and again, I don't think this season looks bad, but, like, I feel like if you told someone that this was the first time they, they switched to a new, you know, style of animation, I think they would understand that. Because it, it, it doesn't look bad, but it is... The show looks more naturalistic later, although that might also be due to the switch to HD, which I don't know if it's either next season or season six, but it's it's soon. The other thing I wanted to say is, uh, much like with Family Guy Season 6, this season is holdovers of, of a production cycle they had finished that was incomplete because uh, the writers went on strike during the big uh, writer's strike of 07 and 08, uh, which Seth... We have said a lot of bad things about Seth MacFarlane. You know, we've, we've called him racist towards Native Americans, transphobic, a closeted gay we've man. Him, but uh, you know, not funny. We've called, we've him, called gay. him gay. <laughs> but yeah, no, he he took the right side during the writer strike, yeah. and we support right. that. Yeah, frankly, we salute it. And so this season is just uh, Fox uploading the the leftovers of the production cycle they already had done without their permission. So yeah. Anyways, uh, so season four, what kind of soured me to the show at first, like in the first season, and kind of in the second season, was that. <sighs> It very clearly started out as very very much a fuck you to, you know, the conservatives or whatever. They basically wanted to do the Stephen Colbert, you know, the Republicans thing. And I, that bit was very tired, even like in the first episode of the show. It was just so grating. And even as they moved away from that, like at least making it so on the nose with, you know, being the satire of conservatives, a lot of the plots were still based around that idea that, well, we got to parody conservative values. Like last season, we had the gay Republicans episode. And there's still some of that here, but I think what's really shaken things up this season is that they've really embraced moving away from Colbert land and just doing fun character-driven plots with all this like zany stuff. It's a lot better and more interesting of a show because of that. Yeah, I I think that 
and we obviously talked about it. This is the podcast of saying things that we've already talked about, but you can feel there is a definite shift when, like, it starts understanding, like, the capabilities that its characters have outside of, like, the kind of narrow, kind of satirical uh, angle that it took at the beginning, which is something you see in a lot of shows, uh, is is taking yeah. a bit to crystallize into, like, well, what can we do that makes us unique besides, like, our gimmick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. This is, I think, the first season where you really get, or you really see them, uh, like, starting to do some of those big conceptual swings, like the Heaven episode or the, the Vacation Goo episode or, you know, letting letting stan you know not just do like you know they 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 start branching out and like really seeing what they can do outside of the more grounded stuff that they did before and i think it really works yeah absolutely and uh to contrast with what we were talking about with season 14 of family guy because i re-listened that episode last this season i think the big difference between it and the previous seasons is also this season has way more confident and like strong b plots in in many of its episodes yeah Yeah. some of them don't work but largely yes they they're they're at least trying going way harder in on the b plots than they have been before for better or worse i'd say mostly better Uh, they're they're also and this is going to sound negative but it's i honestly think it's a positive they're a bit less clever like okay let me put it this way season two and season three they would really elegantly tie a and b plus together and it's like i appreciated it from a distance but like from an actual moment to moment am i enjoying the show uh it just i don't know it felt kind of suffocating in part because I don't think Seth MacFarlane comedy really gels well with, like, the hyper-interconnected, uh, well, you know, screenwriterly type of comedy. We should say, though, that from the beginning, th- this was never as much of a MacFarlane joint as American Dad, or as, as Family Guy was. Like, th- this is yeah. this was largely credited to, to its original writers who, or original showrunners whose... I name I can't yeah. remember, but they're they're definitely not Seth. Like from I would say maybe season two on or whatever. Well, the point is, is that I, I've even yeah. then like I feel like just with comedy in general, like the type of hyper interconnected, you know, A and B plots must come together, like the very screenwriterly stuff. I can appreciate that like structurally, but in terms of what actually makes me laugh and what actually makes me enjoy comedy, this type of like screenwriting manual stuff just doesn't work for me as well. This season, they're kind of free to let B-plots dangle and operate differently from the A-plots and have them never really connect. And honestly, I think that's stronger. I think it's a lot better when they let all the jokes just kind of exist on their own terms and they don't have to worry about tying everything together with a nice little bow. I think this also shows um, one of American Dad's strengths over Family Guys is... I feel like we've talked a lot about how in Family Guy episodes characters often get in the grooves of like peter either hangs out like that you know you rarely get like a peter and stewie episode or even a peter and brian episode you get a peter and meg a peter and lois or peter and the gang episodes in here it feels like they're a lot more willing to sort of mix and match the smiths around for a and b plots and like it feels like every single one of the smiths could like work together as part of a dynamic and whereas like the griffins it's like how many Chris Lois episodes are there compared to, like, a Brian and Stewie, you know? Yeah, but, like, I can name, like, maybe three or four off the top of my yeah. head. Although, yeah. it's funny you mention Peter and Stewie episodes, since I think one of my favorite episodes of the show is a Peter and Stewie episode. Right, where uh, they're trying to connect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, no, I think that also allows new dimensions to come out of each character. Like, uh, there was that great episode last season with, um, uh, I cannot believe I'm blanking on all of the characters' <laughs> names. Peter Griffin. Uh, Fran- yeah, Peter Griffin. No, Francine and the daughter, um, Haley. Haley. And yeah, you got to see uh, Francine's much more like wilder and meaner side with like the mob stuff. Oh, wait, sorry, I dropped that. I'm screwing things up in my head. No, but <laughs> no, but yeah, it does allow new dimensions. Uh, no, I think you're thinking the of the Francine really and Roger out. plot. Um, yeah, Fra- no. Francine and Roger. From this one? Because I know which one you were referring to from the last season. No, from but... last season. Yeah. No, yeah. last season That's it what was, I was the Francine and Haley plot with the, with the handicapped gang members. Okay. Oh, okay. I was thinking of to. the... Um, okay, you the... know what? Drop everything. It's not, it's not something... Yeah, we're splitting hairs, but I, I knew yeah. what you were referring to. Yeah. You have the great Francine and Haley plot with the handicapped gang, and, you know, that kind of brings out new dimensions of each of those characters. You kind of got when Stan and Haley are paired together, like... 
Both of them kind of have to ease up on their rigid values a lot. Roger goes well with pretty much everyone because he gets to be catty and bitchy and serve as a foil. He basically works as an effective foil to pretty much everyone. Even Klaus gets a lot of fun stuff this season, who I started out hating. But now he's, they understand how to work him into the show. Yeah, because yeah, the, they, they understand, which is like, oh, sorry, I was waiting for you to go, Ty. Oh, oh my God. No, go, go, go. It's not a big deal. I had nothing to say. Okay, well, um, I think the thing with Roger that they're getting is that, like, Roger being cooped up in the house is the worst way to handle him. You've got to let him go off and do his own, like, stuff. Or even, like, uh, in experimental stuff, like in the James Bond parody episode, where they, um, they make him the villain, like... He works much better when he is allowed to just sort of play off each other and and other characters who don't know what to expect from Roger. Now that Roger's basically a free agent, it, it does let more shades of his character come out. He he basically get like you said, he gets to be the chaos demon of the show, but with like a less mean streak than Peter. And I, I also think that they, they get Klaus right in this season because they kind of lean into the fact that he's an appendix. Like, obviously he's not like, you know, just a throwaway guy, but in the beginning they didn't really know what to do with him. And now it kind of feels like the joke is that no one knows what to do with him. And they, they kind of make, yeah. you know, that uh, uh, metatextual fr- frustration into text, which is, I think, yeah. a good way to go for his character. So we're not like just sitting around asking, like, why is he here? Because now everyone's asking, why is he here, like, even in the show, you know? Well, yeah, it's funny. I was actually just about to bring up uh, Klaus. The main thing is, like, I I feel like you're right, they are going in that direction, but I still feel like he's not quite there yet. They they haven't quite figured out how to, like, make Klaus work as, like, a B-plot, but you're right, they are getting Klaus to work as, like, a one-off joke thing. But, like, I don't think he could carry, like, an entire plot of an episode. Like, he's canon some later. Yeah, I, I agree that they were not able to really do much uh, in, in the B-plots with Klaus. And I don't I don't think they, they're able to do that for a while until they make it, like, a really existential thing on his part. But but I, I also don't think he's a character who needs to carry a B-plot, you know? Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. And it's fine, as long, because, again, I think the, the thing is about American Dad Season 5 is, well, or Season 4, sorry is that while Klaus is a bit weaker, the rest of the ca- the cast has made, like, solid improvements this season. Yeah. The only character who I think I still dislike, and, like, I kind of go back and forth on him. I don't actively hate him like I do Rollo in the Cleveland show, but I, I still don't really care that much for Steve. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I can get where you're going for, but I kind of, I, I feel like this season, Steve is definitely a noticeable improvement, especially on where, where he's been before. I mean, he, he he's mostly just like a horny nerd, and they they don't have a lot of really unique and creative material to uh, do with that. Like, good example is the Spring Break episode, where that's one of his stronger showcases, but, you know, they have Stan kind of tap into his inner man-child, and it's this really fun and funny plot about that, and you have, you know... Roger trying to be like the king of spring break, which is great. But then like with Steve, it's just like he's trying to have sex with a woman and he keeps rejecting her, even though she's like way out of his league. And it's one of the funnier Steve tries to get laid plots, but it's still like very, it feels copy and pasted in from like a much lamer and hackier show. I I think that is true. The, The American Pie like teenager portrayal of Steve is still kind of here. But I think in this season, and especially in later seasons, you'll see the reason why I like Steve is because he's not always this. There is a lot in his A-plots, but like when Steve is like the backup to a to especially like a Stan or Roger episode, Steve is essentially the straight man to them. And, and I think especially going forward, he gets much better at that. Also, the thing about Steve is that really like... If you plot his character growth, uh, a lot of it ends up with him being, like, really bratty is kind of where they end up with him. And you start seeing that at parts in this season. I think it's the more... I think those are some of the more entertaining ones. Like the the episode with the pedophile where he's, like, completely defying Stan because he's never killed anyone. And he's just like, you know, I'm trying out for gymnastics and there's nothing you can do to stop. Like, when he's just, like, kind of a little like shitty brat or or but what i i think when he's a normal nerd spencer's right in that he's not particularly engaging steve is at its best and i don't think and i think they they kind of need to regress him and they they go better in this direction he's not just when he's the straight man 
But Steve is also better when he becomes like an actual, like the show writes him more like an actual child, and and this sort of yeah, bitchy. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we're you're right, we're still not quite at there, but I think we are getting closer this season. I don't know. We'll we'll see how you feel in season five. We'll see. It's just like he is. He's not bad, but he's noticeably the least interesting part of almost every episode. He's I would say he is uh, the least. Spencer, he's... Spencer, uh, that's a mirror. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Andy, you can continue if you'd like. <laughs> um, Got him. I, I don't know. I, I, I think I think the reason why... Because I, I would probably say Steve is... Pro- like, especially in the later seasons, is probably my favorite Smith. Uh, so I, I'm curious, like... And I agree his material is not super great this season, but I'm wondering if you start coming around. Because I, I really like a lot of Steve-centric episodes. Yeah, I mean, it's not... He, he does have some highlights, like there was last season, the uh, the episode where Dan goes completely crazy and he and his friends like have to like save him, but it, uh, it just doesn't interest me, especially because, you know, it's getting more noticeable this season because they're really starting to have fun with all of these like, like really ridiculous and out-there plots, and he's still stuck in sitcom land when the rest of the show's kind of moved past that i don't know i'm, lo- I'm, yeah, I I'm think looking that's at fair. i'm looking at some of the se- the episodes from season five i do think he will get better next season but that's, that's... well I, I think that's not really in question but I, I think that if we're judging this season on its merits then i kind of with spencer on it where i like him but he definitely does feel like fair enough a bit out of water as as the show starts transitioning to like more uh kind of weird yeah show PC plots. Francine, I think, got good, pretty good treatment this Yeah, season. Francine rules. Yeah. I, I especially love that we finally get to meet Mama and Baba, yeah, which is such good. a great yeah. twist oh, for her I... character. Yeah, no, they're, they're, um, Mama and Baba are really, like, they're stereotypes, but they're not written in the cruel way that, you know, in Family Guy, a lot of stereotypes are written, like, Trisha Takanawa, you know. Is not a about, character. Well, we talk about how much we love Alex Borstein's performance there, and we talk about how many great lines she has, but it is definitely a very mean-spirited stereotype about Asians, where, like, it's still stereotypical in this depiction of Asian parents, but, like, it's it's a lot more loving and heart... It has more heart. Yeah, Yeah, and there's a couple good jokes in here. I think one that uh, sticks out to me is in um, the one where uh, we find out that Francine has repressed, like, hatred against left-handedness. And, like, like the phone call with, where Steve and Haley call her, like, I really like her, like, little uh, line delivery of just, like, no, I hang up. Of course. Mom's left-handed hatred was learned, which means we can help her unlearn it. Hey! What's wrong with you? I'm still here! Now tell me about your day. Oh, I'm sorry, Mama. Well, this morning I went... Mama always hang up first. Yeah. Um, and, and also, like, yeah. this is obviously... I think kind of is overblown by some people, but it is kind of nice that they're both played by Asian actors. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, we on this are of the opinion that it's nice when actors of color get roles, but it's not like the existentially terrifying thing like like everyone was scrambling to do in the wake of the protests with like Cleveland and everything. But it is nice to see like, oh, Asian actors are, are getting to play these Asian characters. That's cool. Yeah. I did not know that actually. That yeah, I, I do really love the Asian parents in this. Yeah, uh, Amy Hill and C Ma. I I don't know if I'm mm. pronouncing his name right, but it's T Z I Ma. Other than that, do we have any more uh, character elements we'd like to talk about? I think this season has a bit better use of the side cast. Greg and Terrier, Greg like, and Terrier just pop in episode more. Uh, still not quite as much Lewis as I would like. Um, no. Oddly, they start bringing back the hook-hand pirate guy, the guy who is the book reporter. I think he's kind of like this series as Bruce, where he just, like, does the jobs if there's a job that needs filling in. I still love Patrick Stewart's character a lot. He... Oh, <laughs> yeah, Bullock. man. Avery Bullock is Rose. the best. Yeah. And and there's a lot of good, like, Avery in this season. If there's anything I've learned about Patrick Stewart from the show, and just from watching movies with him in general, is that he fully commits to any role he's in. Yeah, he seems so delightful. God, I, I cannot get enough of Patrick Stewart. Oh, good because he gets even more. Like this is we are still at the point where Avery is basically tame. I, I don't know. All I'm just saying is that my life is much richer that I have Patrick Stewart singing Oingo Boingo. I, I have said this many times. Uh, thank God, classically trained British actors keep showing up in American trash. The world is a better place because of that. 
I, I will say, it's not, we've said it before also, it's not as deep a supporting cast as Family Guy, and even even if it, like, I, I don't think it ever will get that far, but even right now, like, it's pretty shallow, like, there's maybe four or five uh, supporting cast members. They actually bring back, who's the fucking old guy? Don't they bring him, him back a couple times who works for the CIA? Oh yeah, they, I, I know I know who you're talking about that. I think the, um, American Dad also has a bad habit of cutting side characters. Um, yeah, uh, they bring back for like a cameo, they bring back the, the real estate woman that Stan uh, tortured in, I think, season one, I want to say. season. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, but re- really it is, it is a... Even, I think, for, like, an animated series, it's a pretty shallow uh, side character pool. I, I think I think there's still stronger characters. That, I, it's not... I don't think it has a bad side cast. I just don't think it uses I'm not saying it's bad. That. I'm just saying it's shallow. It, it, it I, is, I think, yeah. actually, there are some... It's just it's underused. Like, we get some... some Also, some of the funds. Like, we get, um like... The, the 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 Turlingtons start showing up in this season. God God bless Whitaker. Oh, the the t- detective. Yeah, he comes back a couple times. Yeah, but um, basically that. the gimmick is uh, Spencer. Every single time one of Forrest Whitaker plays a detective this season, and every single time uh, he comes back in the show because he is a reoccurring character. He is like the brother of the previous detective, uh, so it's a bit. Yeah, I did uh, not. I forgot he he's fun, but I'm not saying shallow to mean bad. I'm literally meaning shallow to mean not very wide. There are there are very few supporting characters who come back in a regular consistency. Yeah, I, you know? I guess that's fair. But yeah, do we have anything else to add uh, holistically to this season other than it's pretty great? Uh, Stan, I, I think Stan has... Stan is the character who has benefited the most from moving away from the Colbert Report style of writing. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think you see this a lot in episodes like the Christmas episode, which I really like. Yeah, he, he definitely feels maybe not more childlike, but he de- he's definitely like not so much the stereotypical you know co- conservative father, which is something that he had been moving away from for the past probably season and a half. But now he, now he is very much like the CIA is colored on top of this pretty otherwise like self-contained character i think the thing is with stan in this season is where they really start pushing away from the satire of conservatism to calling out stan for being a bad person yeah they keep his oafish qualities from the uh conservative days but they kind of like ease off the uh, liberals are are gay stuff and that never fully goes away but it it is definitely played down from here on it's fine in small doses is the thing like it's fine having him be a conservative jackass is completely in keeping with his character it's just that in the early seasons like that was all there was to him it was just like calling out, you know, lay, lay, conserva, conserva dumbs. I, I think also one more thing I want to say about Stan is, you know, we talked a lot about the, in this episode about how like the, the show does a really good job at balancing out the Smiths as a family unit and like making sure they all get decent screen times in the season. But there's never really a point this season where I feel like Stan is like, you're like, oh yeah, Stan's not the main character of the show. It's, it could be like Steve or something. No, Stan is always like, the number one it's just it uses the other smiths really yeah. well I, I think the closest it would come to that is francine who who genuinely i don't think she changes much but i think she gets a lot more to do with like the the character that they had already previously built for her but i yeah stan is pretty much uh and, pretty pretty clearly the front man and, did we talk about Haley? not really yeah she she is honestly not i don't think as big a presence in this season as she was in the last one Am yeah I yeah right in I, that? I think i think that's right you know part, part of the problem and i'd say this like i say this only technically since you know moving away from the conservative parody stuff is a lot better but part of the problem with that is that Haley is specifically designed as like a liberal foil to stan's hyper conservatism right. and once you get rid of that like what do you have left you just have like a bohemian art hoe and i think the thing is Haley, and i will argue they do this a lot more successfully but uh gets a lot of the same character development that brian does not in the terms of being like a sex pest, but more in the sense of like less liberal voice of reason and more kind of also a bad person too going forward. Yeah. But the thing is, Haley was arguably the, had the least character outside of her political stuff, so we haven't really figured out a way to smoothly transition yet. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's valid. I I yeah, it makes sense that this is kind of like a transition period for her character, especially because like or they just went through a transition period for the show. Yeah, I I, I like this season, but this definitely is a transitional season. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, it, yeah, it is very much like we're getting away from the rough stuff. We're moving, we're carving out our own identity. It's like the it's like season two of The Simpsons. Yeah, kind of. Beyond that, uh, do we have anything else to say about the season? I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Good season of TV, folks. Watch American Dad. Watch Family Guy. We'll be right back in... Uh, yeah. Maybe yeah. don't do that. Google Operation Gladio. And we'll be back in a bit to talk about our specific episodes. In the 80s, there was Cold War drama. We fought the commies inside Nicaragua. Our friends were the Contras. Freedom was their mantra, so we sent them lots of money for guns and landmines. But Congress stopped the Contra money flow, just cause they moved a teeny bit of blow. But then a hero came forth, his name was Oliver North. Ian Reagan went around the sissy Congress. secretly sold missiles to a harmless country called Iran that would always be a grateful ally. Then he gave the profits to the Contras. Genius! But the sales were uncovered oh. by the press. <laughs> Reagan and North well, began to stress. Yay. Cause what they did was technically high treason. But it was totally justified. North volunteered to take the blame. Save Reagan from prison rape shame The truth he did bury with his hot secretary Thanks to her shredder He got off totally scot-free Holly North, Holly North He's a soldier and a hero and a novelist And now he's on Fox News Crap that's the end. Wow, I just learned what I was Okay, folks, we're back, and we're talking about three episodes from this season, and we're going to start with Tearjerker. Rather than recap the plot, since I don't think that's terribly important here, I think I will give you a synopsis of the general idea of the episode. That's, that's Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah, Bond. this is Bond. Dum. <laughs> Da, you're da, singing da, Mission da, Impossible. Da. Okay. Uh, da, da, I'm just fine. I'm pretty. All right. Tearjerker <laughs> is a complete digression from what the show usually is. It's like a treehouse of horror thing. And it's a James Bond parody. They basically have Stan playing 007. They have Francine as Sex Pun, which is the Bond girl. And they have Roger as the villain, Tearjerker. They sort of just you know, do like an extended riff on James Bond movies, you know, diabolical plots, that kind of stuff. His plot is he creates a movie so sad that it kills everyone from crying too much. And he's also uh, capturing the rest of Hollywood to make bad movies so that everyone has to go yeah. see their movie, his movie. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a clever, it's a really fun uh, episode. And I think that, I, I can't speak for all of you, but I think why I wanted to talk about this is that this sort of feels like a turning point for the show in which they really do embrace, like, we can do anything. We can do whatever the hell we want to. Let's do it. I I also think, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this question to you guys. I don't think if Family Guy tried. Actually, wait, no, I just remembered. Oh yeah, they did the Star, they did Star Wars things, Wars. but yeah, basically yeah. the yeah, same thing. I was thing. gonna say say like I don't think they could do it as well, but they remembered. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like I think, I think I think if they were trying to come up with the plot that like mimics a franchise, I don't think Family Guy could have done it yeah. to the degree that this did. That's the important structuring difference: is that yeah. the Star Wars stuff copies Star Wars beat for beat for beat, and then just does like little riffs on the side where. This is like coming up with the plot of a hypothetical James Bond movie, but just a little bit sillier. Yeah, and I, yeah. I don't think I I don't think that Family Guy could do that. I think you're right about. Yeah, I mean, you see that in like the three directors episode where they try to come up with Tarantino, Wes Anderson, and Michael Bay plots, and they, they literally just end up taking stuff from the movies that those directors already made. Yeah, and they I don't... hate that episode so fucking much. Yeah, let me let me write one of those episodes. Like, let me do it. I could do it much funnier. Anyways, yeah, no, the yeah, American Dad, it is much more clever, and that pays dividends here, because they get to make a really funny and, you know, almost authentic-seeming parody of James Bond without having to basically steal the plot of Goldfinger. And I, would I, can we, and I'm sure we have a lot to dig into with this episode, can we talk about what the movie is about? 
Yes. Because it's I think so that's good. one of the best jokes this show has ever done. Yeah. Pretty good. The the movie is about an autistic child during the Holocaust whose dog dies of cancer. And he's an alcoholic. Yeah. And his name is literally Oscar Gold. Oscar Gold. It's yeah. so good. It's 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 just such a good little self-contained joke right there that I mean it yeah. fits in with the rest of the show. But even like if I just heard that joke, I'd be like, fucking well done. Yeah. yeah. Oscar Gold. It's it's good to know that even like a decade ago, the Oscars were still just as trash as ever. Well, actually, like, you could make an argument that 10 years ago they were maybe a little worse than now. No, I mean, it was probably, you know, even though Schindler's List was 15 years old at that point, they, oh no, yeah. you know what it was based on? It was probably based on The Pianist, the Roman Polanski movie. Or um, when did the Striped Pajama Boy movie come out? That was a big one too, wasn't it? You mean Life is Beautiful? No, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Um, sounds like a Bell and Sebastian. 2008, song. uh, so, a little bit before or F, this one was a little bit before i and guess they also had diving bell and the butterfly coming out yeah. in uh, 2007 so the, let's just say that the holocaust is a rich vein for people looking for cheap and, maudlin sympathy in their yeah movies. and um disabilities again with diving bell and the butterfly yeah. which i've heard is really good but the point stands or a beautiful mind or extremely loud and incredibly close or you know it's like 20 years old by the time this episode came out but like even rain man like we got to do a rain man episode with we, sean we moorhead. do we've we me and spencer have talked about that before yeah we got to do one we got to get sean moorhead to talk about that but anyways it's a great little episode and they have a lot of fun you know making fun of bond stuff and this is one of those instances where like the setup payoff stuff that i can find kind of suffocating actually works really well like when steve's character and his gadgets all just give women bigger breasts i was like that is a good joke that's a good joke and then it actually comes into play towards the end yeah is... and i was like they're gonna find a way to make yeah. this pay off and they do and it's actually really funny and then the way they continue off of it is actually really funny too. I I also think it's kind of interesting that like the the sort of structure of this show. It's it's weird that like Stan and Avery. I feel like a lot of their scenes could be sort of copied and pasted into any episode from the season. But it's it's the way they use the rest of the cast that kind of different about the genre parody. I think it's I don't know. It, it it's kind of like I feel like with a like a slightly different character you cat or a slightly different script you could have done this as like an incontinuity or like normal thing. But yeah. I'm glad they went out of their way to sort of do a weird thing. Yeah. And I honestly think you can look at this episode as, like, something of a microcosm for the rest of the season. Like, Haley doesn't have much to do. Steve has some funny jokes, but largely is just kind of relegated to, like, a, a just the nerd role. Uh, Klaus is there no, to be Yeah, to Klaus is there to literally, and to be owned and also to literally just be, like, a placeholder to, like, help the plot move along. And, and, and the best yeah. jokes are given by Stan, Roger, and Francine. Yeah, uh, exactly. Which, I mean, you know, maybe we're reading too deep into it, but I think there's something there. I mean, it is it is a microcosm that it represents the show uh, moving away from kind of its boring past and, you know, doing more fun stuff. But I also I think deeper is that if you're doing an episode that is like this one is divorced from from the like the usual uh, status quo. I, I think that really it, it is important to like or, or, or it is maybe it's just easier, honestly, to dig into like the, that implicit relationship between all the characters because like there's nothing else that you have like that you don't have an established you know yeah. setting that it's already taking place in which you is know? why i think family guy might lean on it so much recently is because yeah. like the characters have you know there's the term that tv tropes nerds use a lot called flanderization where sitcom right. characters rather than getting more complex as they go along kind of devolve and they yeah, sort they of just flatten. become like yeah. one yeah, and Family Guy has every season they so intensely flatten every single character that by this point, like, you can just plug them into any situation and nothing changes. I think, I'm kind of glad you also brought up the, the Simpsons then, because one thing that I think American Dad is really good at that, like, a lot of the other animation, that is maybe better than any of the uh, the other animation domination shows. It's the couch shows. Well, it's... It, it, shut up, Ty. Um, that, that it's going to bring up is making episodes feel like an event. 
Where, like, I like yeah. Golden Age Simpsons, but outside of maybe the Sideshow Bob episodes and Who Shot Mr. Burns, which is, like, a one-time cliffhanger thing, there aren't very many episodes of, like, classic Simpsons that I would call, like, an event. Family Guy has event episodes, but I would say American Dad does it a lot better than them. Yeah, they're, they they have these, like, um, big adventurous episodes. And, you know, that's not really a knock against The Simpsons. A lot of The Simpsons' absolute best episodes were just very low-key. Like, Oh, no, I'm, I'm not—it works for the show. I'm just saying that is something that American Dad really— uh, it gets stronger uh, than, yeah. than the other stuff. Do we have anything else to add about Jared Jerker? Uh, I, I will say that kind of the resolution about the celebrity babies feels kind of trite compared to like how clever the rest of the episode is. But I, I, but I also feel like the, the final climax does feel a bit rushed. Like the last. That's what like, I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, uh, unless, also like the action. Like, like, well, I'm talking about the bit of like Roger trying repeatedly failing to get away from Stan. I feel like. Like right. you could have done more with that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it fails particularly just because I think that it feels kind of like part of the joke where it's like everything is going wrong super quick and they're like trying to wrap it up. But I, I agree that they probably could have spent a bit more time on it. All right, uh, let's move to the next one. Uh, this was my choice, and it was Red October Sky. Okay. Red October Sky. The plot of this one is that Stan has to track down like you know a Russian agent, former KGB, and he turns out he's their new next door neighbor. And at first they get along well because it's like oh i'm an american now i love capitalism and they eventually capitalism. he gets along so well that he hires he yeah, hires they um, uh they hi- he hires him to help steve with his school project where he has to make a rocket yeah because like sort of like the side of the other side of this episode is that steve and stan aren't spending enough to or stan is kind of neglecting steve what happens is is that you know they spend enough time together that it turns out that the kgb agent is turning steve into a communist and, uh, you know, there's a what? big reveal where he goes up to Steve's room. And there's all these Karl Marx and uh, Lenin and Stalin and Mao posters Castro. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of all comes together when Steve has to, Stan has to like counter brainwash him. And then they end up having, it all comes together at the end when Stan and Steve compete with the KGB agent and the, Barry. Yeah, the overweight friend of Steve's in like a rocket competition for school. And, uh communists end up winning yeah which is a, a fun little twist and then it's like oh well you know it wasn't about winning it was about you know i wanted to spend time with you which i think this is something that even even if we don't agree with seth's politics all the time uh yeah. voted for people who to judge uh I, I i do think this season is kind of good about like subvert building up the idea of like it is rational or like it, it is realistic in the way that like i mean obviously a bit cartoony but but it is like it, it doesn't play like the whole conservatives are dumb thing for like just like as, as a ridiculous thing but it kind of undercuts it at the end which i think is a better way than just like the colbert style of stuff yeah no i think it's good i honestly was impressed that they kind of let the communists win at the end i guess it's because yeah. it's a space race parody but yeah they, they are they're a space race yeah no yeah. exactly but <laughs> i they... i like this episode but I, I i think it's also kind of weird the the sort of ending of this episode where it sort of feels like sergey is going to be like a reoccurring thing then he doesn't and i don't know i feel like you could have at least tried bringing him back um, yeah he, he could have been a good foil for uh stan but then again the thing is is that well this episode does let him do more stuff the problem is is that these writers there aren't a lot of writers who kind of fully understand communism like i'm not demanding all my writers be like hardline marxists but like their understanding of communism is basically the le funny russian uh communism tv watch you type shit and which is how it should be i mean mm. they, they they do the whole like uh you know you know the capitalist decadence is uh, makes me sick. I am the uh, I am pro Soviet. I I don't know. It's like honestly, if people more people had that like mindset, maybe we'd be in a better place. I don't know. I, yes. I, I agree that like the hackneyed communism jokes wouldn't be great, but like I feel like he work genuinely works well as a guy who just like knows how to get under Stan's skin and just use him to his advantage. Yeah, I have nothing against him. He's how do you fun. feel about Steve this episode? It's fine. Yeah. Uh, I I uh... I think that. They, they are prone to doing morality plays with Steve a bit, which I, I'm not super against, but I think it's, I think more than like him being a character, sometimes they're just like, oh, well, he's a way for Stan to realize, you know, a, a truth or whatever, which 
they do in this episode and it, it's fine like the idea of like oh i want to spend time with my dad you know even if yeah. e- even if we have to do this whatever i'm not here against it's it more earned this show than in family guy like yeah. in family guy they're doing it like almost out of a sense of obligation to the formula where here like the characters actually do seem to genuinely kind of care about each other even more so as the show goes on which i guess we should have mentioned this in the first half but this season does feel a lot less mean-spirited than the show did at first oh yeah. that's not a bad thing i'm perfect fine with that it's just it's more fun it's got more heart and it does like it seems to care a lot more about the characters yeah definitely um did you say anything about the 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 roger and klaus b plot i had to go no, away for a second to yeah. get my dog to stop barking um, yeah no i did not roger and klaus b plot they just kind of chill out in europe uh i guess if I wanted to mention something about it, it's that it's a good example of the show not feeling the need to tie its A plot and B plot together. It just lets them vibe together in Europe. Sure, but I, I don't really think it does anything particularly interesting with it, so. Yeah, I mean, it does, it's it's just, I don't know, it's like a fun little digression, and it kind of lets them hang out together. It does feel very rushed because there's like another thing going on in the episode with like Francine trying to help Steve build the rocket. There's so much going on in this episode, so... They, yeah. they don't really let the vacation stuff breathe, but it does end with a great moment with uh, Roger where he's like, I like girls, don't I? I probably <laughs> like girls. Yeah. That is something also that I think, especially in the back half of the season, is frustrating sometimes is that we've talked about how they're good at giving everyone something to do, but the flip side of that is that sometimes they give everyone something to do. And it gets a bit overwhelming. Uh, yeah. like, I'm thinking specifically of the episode where Steve learns to break dance and Haley uh, and Klaus do a prank war and Roger has to be mean and Stan has to, you know, it's, it's, I, I think it can, they can sometimes go a bit overboard, but. Yeah. That's why I said the show getting less clever is a good thing because yeah. they like, whatever's They're trying, about, they're trying less. They're or forcing it less rather. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I'm not going to do an oppositional reading and say that this this episode is pro-communism, <laughs> but it, 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 no, it's, it avoids like really cheap kind of both sides of humor that family guy would do so it's table scraps i can get basically yeah i if i were to guess i would say the writers were coming at it more from the side of like being frustrated that everyone compares you know liberalism to communism than like an actual ardent defense of communism but either way it's not like yeah they're not they're not like going you know oh stalin's the real monster which is like it can get kind of grating uh yeah that's the way you take it yeah they're not they're they're not they're not doing like the you know well, you know, us liberals, yeah, well, we're capitalists too, type of thing. Yeah. Like, they're, yeah, they're willing to at least poke fun at, like, American capitalism, which is, like, really easy to do. Anyone can do it, but it, it's, again scraps from the table they're not they're not bashing socialism like a bad show like like the simpsons uh did you all see yeah. that fucking this is gonna come oh, out yeah. at the end of this week but the yeah tie roll the bernie I'm, babies clip yeah i'll put i'll put it in right here getting a cody shot should not cost your lunch money and if you don't listen to me listen to the bernie babies what everybody's got goons I disavow that and welcome it. Yeah. Um, so fucking stupid. I don't even watch the show, but I'm mad on your behalf. Yeah, no, it's a, it's so depressing to see. I think I, I think I just tweeted out of, like, imagine thinking this is a win. That, like, oh, a show that's been bad for more seasons <laughs> than it's been good now. Like, got a show, like, great. One of the few and shows And it's not even that, funny. Yeah. I, th- I think I said this to Spencer in DM when we were talking right before we did the... The Million Ways to Die episode. And I, I was just like, you know, Al Jean should just fucking kill himself. Like, for being a showrunner for, like, 15 years. He was initially the showrunner for Simpsons Season 4 and helped co-create the critics, some of the best animated, like, sitcoms of all time. And and then for, like, like I think he joined and, like, came back in, like, Season 13. So, like, yeah. well, almost 20 seasons now, he has just dragged this show into just gray ooze. Yeah. Like, so anyway, uh, this is our. Anyways, uh, moving back, we got one last episode to talk about. Officer Spaceman. One of my favorites of the season. So the plot of this is that basically Roger starts to. Uh, he starts taking pictures of himself, a la Spider-Man, to sell to newspapers and be like, "Oh, there's an alien, you know what the hell?" and get paid for it so we can this, keep himself in luxury. Yeah. The CG, uh, the CIA, the CGI. It? Yeah, the CIA. You know, it's like we need a task force to capture the alien. And they ended up putting Roger in disguise in charge of the task force. He then milks it for what it's worth. And then, what is it? 
But when when they catch on to him, he's like, here's proof of the alien, and it can jump into people's bodies. But the way he is not careful about it leads them to believe that Stan has the alien, quote unquote, inside of him. Yeah. And then and then they they take him into autopsy, and he's like. Well, I don't want that to happen, shit. And then he, they are about to autopsy Roger because he turns it around and then he accident, or then he, he purposely, quote unquote, accidentally, uh, gasses the room. So with everyone, like, so everyone but Roger is unconscious and then Roger escapes. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's a, that is a, uh, really good plot. I do like also how they cut off the opening for it. To yes, get that's a very, that was a very fun thing. Yeah, uh, I, I always... they normally do the, well, just for people who didn't see the episode, for, uh, when they normally do, like, the newspaper headline gag, instead, the newspaper headline is an article about, like, an alien spotted, and then they go straight into the plot, yeah. uh, like, without finishing the theme song, which is a very fun little also a highlight of Family Guy season 14, where they have the plot be, uh, the uh, opening be one of Stewie's nightmares. Yeah. Yeah, those ty- those types of, like, uh, intro breaks are really, really great whenever they do uh, American Dad doesn't do it all the time, but it doesn't en- enough to, to really be, like, a running thing. Anyway, th- the reason why I picked this episode is because um, I think it's a really good description of, like, the stuff that I really like from season four. Because it's, like, it's it's less clever than, like, how a season three or two episode would handle it. In that, like, this episode has two good B-plots that don't really connect whatever. But I think that makes each individual B-plot stronger. Like, I think both the, the Stan and Roger stuff at the CIA is a lot of fun. But I also really like the, the Steve Haley and Francine stuff with her not being comfortable with her being left-handed. I also love the opening of that B-plot. That is one of the best scenes of the, like... Uh, one of my favorite American Dad scenes. Steve has a, a black schoolmate over to work on, like, a science project. And Francine sees her, tells her to leave. And, like, it's, like, an awkward thing. But then it's revealed to be, like, oh, no. Francine just hates lefties and not black. Isn't actually racist. And then they revealed the extensive childhood trauma that made her hate lefties. The The resolution to it is so great. Where they have her embrace being a lefty. And she just sucks ass at being left-handed. <laughs> yeah, because she spent her entire life using her right hand. She just it's can't a, It's write. a good little joke. She yeah. drops everything. <laughs> she accidentally cuts Steve's throat with a, knife, with a butter they, knife. If they made, like, the rest yeah. of the season just her, like, fucking up being left-handed. Just kind of in the background. That would be so perfect. <laughs> That would be very... I don't think they're the kind of show that does, like, those, you know, season-long running gags. Yeah. But that would be very funny. Yeah. No, this episode didn't stand out too much to me beyond that, but it's it's a solid... I also think it's something that this episode treats it as, like, a weird thing that, like, like, historical thing. But it is weird to look back and be like, oh, yeah, we did beat up people kids who used who wrote with their left hand instead of their right hand for like yeah, it, years like that it, was it a, is, it's fucking ridiculous for sure we should like, bring it back if you're, if you're gonna beat up a kid like do it because they're a nerd or yeah. whatever but no, we should yeah. bring it back we we gotta start beating up <laughs> left handies again we, we need more cool types of bullying um, i mean frankly i just need another reason to beat up kids yeah. um Anyways, uh, do we have anything else to add about Officer Spaceman? I... I I actually have one thing in that I feel like the way they, they sort of played off the climax, I think it's interesting to note that, like, the, the sort of sympathetic of, like, Stan of Roger actually learning a lesson from this. Later seasons, I think it's worth noting that they go way more cynical, but in a, in a good way. So it's, it's sort of interesting seeing the sort of transitional period for the show. Um, where they're more comfortable with Roger's personas, but he doesn't, like, lean into them as much as they do later. Yeah, I, uh, that tracks for me. I honestly don't have much else to say about the episode. This, this one didn't stick out particularly big for me, except for the kind of clever stuff at the end where it's like, where you, you, I honestly was convinced for a little bit, like, Stan would let Roger go under and then there would be, like, some deus ex machina stuff, but the little, the bit of him, you know, gassing the room was kind of clever. Yeah, I'll also add that I guess if we want to extrapolate it to the season as a whole, this episode like has more action and more intrigue and a lot of these plots, like even when they aren't really funny, they are like genuinely really exciting. Like I was, I wouldn't say I was on the edge of my seat, but I was genuinely like kind of invested in what would happen to Roger this episode. American Dad is very good at generating stakes. Yeah, it's so hard to generate stakes in shows like this where they have to reset to the status quo at the end, but... They do it well because they often don't entirely reset to the status quo at the end and let that happen off screen, like with the handwriting. But yeah, no, I, I will give the show major props for letting them do that. Do we have anything else to add? Not really. 
Yeah. This was a good season. If you're left-handed, fuck season. you. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. If you're left-handed, don't listen to this show. Right it's so uh, left-handed you know, people. I, I think it's nice that we get some of these sort of, like, dry or more interesting stuff. Because it's, it's nice to have uh, an episode every once in a while that's just like, oh, here's us talking and actually, like, having a conversation and reviewing a season rather than... Yeah. Like, I like the Without a Paddle episode. It's great. But that, the, you know, it's, it's... You need contrast. It's not very informative. Yeah. For sure. It's not very uh, informative. Look forward to our Jaxi episode coming soon, where <laughs> it'll be even dumber than that one. Um, um, sorry, I I'm zoning out a little bit. I'm thinking about what I would do if I met a left-handed person. Yeah. Anyways, that's gonna do it, folks. Normal housekeeping stuff. Uh, we have a new editor on the show now. Yes. Uh, everyone say hi to ben- with Bennett, right? Yeah, Bennett. Yeah. Bennett's been a friend of mine for probably like a decade now. So be sure to follow. That's weird. I've um, been friends at- with Bennett for eleven years. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> Damn, so true. Uh, yeah, so true. Follow Bennett. Uh, At Lennon B. Hayes on Twitter. The two of us are making a music video together also. Ooh, fun. Which is the, it is dumber than the Without a Paddle episode. I would imagine. Yeah, no, it, uh, we shot some of it recently. It involved us dipping hot dogs into a plastic bag full of beer. Oh my god. Yeah, uh. Dudes rock. It was, it was such a great experience. No, but follow Bennett. Also, you know, if you're on iTunes, which some of you are, about, I think about a sixth of you listen to us on iTunes, give us five stars, give us a good review, it helps boost the show and get us more listeners, repost our stuff on SoundCloud, obviously, you know, follow us on Twitter, just uh, do all of our promotion for us, really. Yeah. Yeah, don't, we don't want to do any work, so if you guys can take care of that, we'd very much prefer it. Yeah, yeah, no, but other than that, yeah, no, be sure to... Yeah, other than that, be be sure to listen <laughs> to our sure show. Be sure to, uh, fucking... My, my brain just, like, crashed hard for a second. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Sorry. Bye. classic episode of our show like a family guy season three where we're just very you know down and rigorously analyzing rather than the kind of yeah existential despair and riffing we've done recently well that that's that's why i've been liking our american dad episodes because they're like that because we have a lot of show to go through still um, yeah i do like riffing uh, but i'm not gonna force yeah, it it's yeah no it, it, we can't for like I remember Zoe was talking to us. It's like, you guys can do comedy stuff. And the reason why it works is because you actually have something to talk about. You're not just sitting around. Right. Like, even our Patrick episodes, which are, like, most overtly comedic <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, what is it? Uh, you still talked about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. We still talk about the movie. We just take 15-minute long digressions about jacking off. God, um, I can't wait for Jexy. It's going to be so fun. I'm, Jexy is gonna I know so nothing fun. about that movie, so I'm looking forward to it.